0: Digital marketing seems to be the mystery that most entrepreneurs struggle with, and real estate investors are no exception. The truth is, there are multiple avenues to success. Those experiences will be best shared by the guests on this podcast. My name is Jason Wright, and I would like to welcome you to Real Estate Investor Marketing Stories. What is going on? Jason Wright here with episode 10 of this show, and I am just... Getting back into the office for the first time in a little bit, I was at the Best Ever Conference last week in Salt Lake City, and I got in like on Monday, and it ran through Friday, so I came back Friday. Pretty long travel day from here to there. And anytime you go from the west to the east, as you know, you lose time, so lost a few hours, but I'll tell you the nice thing about these real estate investor conferences, kind of regardless of uh, what you're hoping to get out of them. You know, for me, it's finding potential clients, potential partners for the digital marketing side of things. And for a lot of people, you know, most people going to these things, I would say, are probably active investors. But I did hear some really cool success stories about people finding great passive investors for their deals and their type of, you know, whatever they were doing as well. So uh, the point is, I encourage you to get out of your comfort zone when you can, go to these events. Should you go to everything? No, it's expensive, it's time consuming, but. Mix it up a little bit. You never know. One relationship can change your business in your life for sure. So first time ever visiting the state of Utah. I thought Salt Lake City was beautiful. Really dry compared to the Midwest. So 35 degrees there felt like 45 degrees here. So it was quite comfortable for me. First hotel I was in was a bit itchy. But got into the Hyatt where the event was after a few days. And it was really, really nice. I will give you just a tease. And then kind of tell you what happened on the next steps of the podcast. But I may or may not have got trapped in an elevator with three other people for a little bit longer than you might be comfortable with if it were you. I will tell you more about that in the next episode. So anyway, I do have a great guest today. The guest is uh, Todd Solzinger. I actually got to meet Todd at Best Ever, so that was cool. You know, I see the names and faces on Zoom, but meeting people in real life is a different experience. It's always a good one, too. So Todd and I hung out and, and met at Best Ever. Todd is a CEO of a company called Blue Elm Investments. He is a former tech executive out of kind of Silicon Valley. He lives in the San Francisco area now and runs his business from there. And uh, he is the co-author of a book, which is an Amazon bestseller called Success Habits of Super Achievers. Uh, So check that out if you get a chance. I want to share my conversation with you that Todd and I had, so let's get into it. Hey, Todd, welcome to the show.
1: Hi, Jason. Thanks a lot for having me.
0: No problem at all. I don't know this story about you, but I'd love to hear how you get started down this road of real estate investing.
1: Yeah, sure thing. Well, I spent most of my career working in corporate finance for a variety of companies in Silicon Valley where I grew up and where I started my career and started investing passively in real estate back in 2013, buying some single family homes in Texas with this idea that I think a lot of people have when they get to real estate. Oh, I'm just going to buy a bunch of single family homes and eventually that's going to replace my W-2 income and I'll be able to live passively out that forever. And I, after having that experience for a couple of years, I just realized it was going to take a long time to get there, just buying single family homes every year or so. And around that time, around 2014, 15, I discovered syndications this idea of group investing and had this idea of trying to build a business around helping others invest in real estate. Thought I could kind of take my passion for real estate and combine it with my corporate finance background and put a business together. So I founded
0: Blue Home Investments in 2018. Very nice. Did you reach a point with single family where you're like, man, the property management, tenant piece, like piece of this is a nightmare. Ah, you know, the, I, you know, I'm in California. These
1: houses were in Texas and the, I guess the one, the, the good side to it was, I think that I realized that it was possible to invest long distance. Uh, Because I've had a property manager take care of things. And I remember once I had one house actually here in California as a rental. And every now and then I'd drive by there and see the house. Okay, it wasn't burned down. It was still there. I was collecting rent and then took a business trip to Dallas, drove by that house or those houses and same thing. And I thought, wow, these houses in Texas are exactly like this one two hours from where I live in Sacramento. So that maybe kind of really set the realization you could invest long distance yep. uh, in those properties, yeah, the downside was even with pretty good property managers there, there were still issues that came up, you know again, whether it's unexpected repairs or tenants that thrashed the place, and just kind of a variety of things that even as a passive investor, it wasn't just uh the way maybe you might hear some providers or podcasts or other people selling products just saying, hey, it's just like mailbox money. You buy these touristy properties and rent them and you you never hear from them again. Yeah, There's still, you have to be on top of the property manager and
0: sometimes unexpected things do happen. Yeah, It makes sense. So um, with your business now, what asset classes and or markets do you tend to focus on? I started in mobile home parks and yeah. it was... This was back in 2019
1: when I actually bought my first parks, and it started because I was looking for something to differentiate myself a bit from other people that were putting together deals in the apartment space. I was working with a guy, and we were, this is when I was still in my W-2 job, and we were considering investing in this one mobile home park fund. As we kind of learned more about the industry, we talked about partnering to actually go and buy some parks. So... I thought okay this sounds great i'll go out and find the deals put them together kind of raise financing he'll put together a group of investors so i found a couple of parks in georgia to buy and about halfway through that process his investor group couldn't come through with all the funds to close so i just ended up doing the deal myself had been kind of raising money just kind of on my own based on you know people i had talked to that i'd worked with people i'd met at meetups and ended up buying parks there So I kind of started in the mobile home park uh, space, bought another park in Tennessee, and uh, I bought one in Arkansas about a year or so ago. I kind of decided through that journey that I wanted to pivot out of mobile home parks. They're they're a great asset class with a huge need for affordable housing across the country, and that's really a great niche that uh, mobile home parks fill being involved in them actively for a few years, I decided I didn't want to kind of grow this big mobile home park empire. So I started diversifying some other asset classes. So I I partnered on a large apartment portfolio with a big group last year to bring that asset class to my investors and then did uh, bought an RV park last year as well, which is some people kind of see mobile home parks and RV parks as similar and, and sometimes they are, but then RV parks are often kind of more on the hospitality side where you're dealing with daily weekly rentals where people are traveling on vacation to find places
0: for their RVs. Got it. Very cool. I like it. And the cool thing about that question is everybody I talked to on the show is totally different. So it's neat to see there's so many different angles and so many different things you can do and enjoy it and be successful. So I like that. Absolutely. What simple marketing strategies allowed you to initially get traction, uh, get traction with bringing new investors into your business?
1: Well, I think when I started, my first group of investors were people that I had worked with, you know, and I would talk to people that I was, anybody that I was working with, and they said, hey, like, what are you up to? And I'd say, hey, you know, I'm getting involved in real estate or I'm buying these single-family homes out of state. Hey, I'm thinking of possibly starting this fund. Is that something you'd be interested in? And people were interested. There were a lot of people I found that I worked with. These were people in finance or engineers or marketing folks working for the companies I was working for in Silicon Valley who hadn't interested in investing in real estate, but just didn't know how to do it. Or their only idea about real estate was million, $2 million homes in Silicon Valley. So when I started to bring up the idea of like investing out of state or people pooling their money together to buy something different, they were like, oh, wow, I get it. But I Never thought of that before. So when I brought my first mobile home park deal to them, they were like, okay, I get it. So that was kind of my first uh, set of investors. And then also in that deal, I'd been going to a lot of local meetups around the area for a couple of years and built relationships there. So I met uh, kind of both active and passive investors in that group. And some of them came along
0: with me uh, in my first couple of deals. I love that and there's no replacement for the human interaction the relationship and the thing i like about your story is it requires effort you know you hear so many people that just think they're going to launch a website and all these investors are going to come after them and good things in life require effort there's a common theme do. <laughs> that is good stuff maybe that wasn't traditional marketing and that it really is <laughs> i mean the the word of mouth, the referral the repeat business like it is that's marketing 101 you know i really Teach that marketing is just relationships. It's just conversations, whether it's face to face or online. So, yes, yeah, for sure. It's funny. My wife and I invested in our first deals in LP this last year. 121 doors in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Yeah. I posted it, just one post on Facebook, and I had neighbors going, "How in the world did you buy an apartment complex?" You know, it's like since I talk about this stuff every day now, it's normal. But for so many people, still there's this big mystery around it. They've never heard of syndication. They don't understand the concept. Their minds are blown. They're like, you guys, you guys selling drugs. And I'm like, no, no, no. It's not how it works, you know? So it's really, really interesting to watch people's minds kind of expand and get really curious, you know?
1: Yeah. And I, you know, I try to explain it to people. I say, if you're driving around, it doesn't matter where you live. If you drive around town somewhere and see an apartment building or a, hotel or an office building it's probably not just one person who yep. just bought the thing it's often a group of investors um i had this other friend of mine said oh yeah that kind of sounds interesting like my dad used to do that He, you know back in the 60s he and like four or five friends got together and bought this apartment building i'm like that's it that's yep. you know real estate syndication joint venturing or was really a common term
0: yep absolutely i like it so if you think back to your journey so far what would you say is the biggest mistake or the biggest missed opportunity you've made in regards to marketing?
1: Ah, uh, let me see. I think probably not outsourcing my marketing early on in the process. You know, I had finance background, so very sort of methodical and analytical. Yeah. And when I put my first double deals together, I was, I just, and I felt like I had to do it all. Okay, I'm going to figure out Mailchimp and Active Campaign and doing webinars and putting together a slide deck. Uh, we're trying to kind of cobble together a, a website and looking back now I should have made that investment early on to do that part better and not try to do it all myself I think that may be uh, a function of sometimes feeling like you're too small to make that investment before your business gets going yep. and also just I think sometimes at least from my standpoint there's a tendency to think like I can figure that out I can I can figure out how to do this but what that means, you're not spending time focusing on what I'm really good at and what's really going to move the needle in terms of where my business is going.
0: Yeah, it's like, it doesn't matter who you are or what you do. We all only have 160 hours a week. Eat, sleep. I mean, there's always so much time. So I think everybody struggles with that to some point in different areas of their business. And you just have to, like, what I do is I just focus on what I'm great at and try to become legendary at it. The stuff I'm not great at not passionate about it me find somebody who is it makes a big difference but getting started sometimes it's tough especially if funds are limiting you so that's good stuff i'm gonna think a bit of a curveball here can you share a story in this journey so far that you haven't shared publicly before on another podcast and it can be anything you want to a lot of people go the humorous route but it could be anything that you want to but let us in a little brother let us in well, I would say the one
1: thing that popped into my head as we were talking about those single-family homes in Dallas is one of the houses ended up getting rented by a person who was a stripper out of the house. <laughs> so seemed like a great tenant. Like, you know, the property manager checked her references. She moved in, paid rent for a couple months, and then stopped paying rent. So then you kind of think, okay, we have got to go through the standard eviction process. Couldn't contact her. And then finally not into the house after she just disappeared and moved out. And she had actually installed a metal pole inside the master bedroom, painted the walls like this like dark purple or black color. And yeah, turned it into like a neighborhood strip club. So (laughs) So, that was right. Where (laughs) to? Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a mess. So had to spend a few thousand bucks taking all of out and getting the house back ready to rent. Yeah. Um, so that's one thing when people talk about, you know, passive investing, it's like, you know, those investments ended up being good overall, but still, when you get a phone call like that, you just think, okay, I'm busy, like doing my day to day job and family and everything else. And then, you know, you got to deal with this and think, come on, has this ever happened to anybody else? I've never heard of this. How could this be possible? But things like that happen. So when people get scared off by investing in real estate, that's, you know, probably that's a time where I would say, hey, if you know, if you want to invest in real estate but don't want to deal with something like that potentially happening, maybe yeah. go in the passive investing route is good.
0: Yeah, and I understand. Uh, speaking of that, I understand you kind of a passion educating people about passive investing. So, for anybody who's listening who might be interested in going down that path, what would you say to them?
1: Uh, you know, I'd say really consider it and think what your your comfort level is. Because I've got a lot of friends uh, in this business who manage their properties directly. They or feel absolutely comfortable dealing with tenants and applications and credit references and dealing with maintenance issues and they're absolutely comfortable with that they think ah oh, yeah why would i want to pay six eight percent to a property manager other people's personalities aren't really set up that way so um as you really have to think about like what do you feel comfortable with and you know are you okay with the idea of, like okay maybe if you own the property directly and managed over time and don't pay property management fees, maybe your returns in the long run might be higher. On the other hand, you really have to think, is it really worth that? Would I really rather have somebody else finding the deals, managing the investment, dealing with all those tenant issues, whatever they may be? So I think it's really kind of figuring
0: out what you're comfortable with and what you yeah, what you feel you're, you're good at. Yeah. When you were describing the first piece, I was just like, man, that is not me. I don't want to deal with any of that crap at all. <laughs> So if you, uh, if you think like me, audience, passive investing may be for you. Let me ask you this, Todd. If somebody were going to get into this game now, 2023, what one piece of advice would you give them around their marketing? Like, what should they be thinking about? What should they do maybe differently than you? What are your thoughts on that?
1: Uh, well, in addition to outsourcing, I think unless that's really your specialty and passion, I think that would be the key, finding a good partner to work with uh, to you know, help build out your website, your active campaign in terms of your communication to your investors. And uh, I think one thing that I would have done earlier on better was really set out a plan for consistent communication, whether it's on, you know, through something like a CRM, like an active campaign, or on Facebook or LinkedIn. And, uh, you know, oftentimes, it's not, not often not like exactly what you're saying. I know one of the Somebody else I know is like really great at marketing in this space said, sometimes it's like when you put together uh, you know, a post or an email, assume that nobody's going to read it, but just know that your name's going to flash up in their inbox, that they know you're active, you're still in the business, you're thinking about them, you're trying to provide value. So I think just fr- from the beginning being as consistent as possible, delivering the content that you
0: think is going to be valuable to your potential investors. That's such an interesting thing you said. And I agree with it 100%. And I'll tell you wh- what I take out of that is I always heard content is king. I don't agree. Last year, I stopped agreeing because we obsessively watched our business. Touch points are king. The reason you just said. So, I mean, obviously, if you send placeholder copy, you know, is that going to work? No. Oh, right. But the fact that people remember that you're alive is more, it's more important than even the content. Now, maybe barely more important, but touch points for the king. So I've become obsessed with it. In our business, probably about June of last year, I was sitting right here and I go, man, I wonder how many touch points it takes for me to make a sale. So I'm going to guess and then I'm going to study it. So I was like four or five is my guess. And I started studying it and it was about 15, 15 plus. And I was like, wow, I would have never guessed that. So I said, "What, what does the journey look like? So I started looking at these different paths into kind of our business. And I started counting and paying attention. And I said, if this already works well, uh, why not add more touch points to the end? What's the worst that can happen, right? People either still don't buy or they unsubscribe, but like, what's the worst that can happen? So we started adding more touch points just to make a better, more conversational experience. And a lot of our marketing language is just like me talking now. It's like, hey, Todd, how's it going? Do you have any questions? Like just simple stuff. And it has absolutely changed our entire life. Like it is massively important. Yeah. The biggest mistake I hear for active capital raisers is this. They say, when somebody new joins my list, if I don't have a deal, I don't know what to say. So I don't say anything at all. So they wait six months, nine months, maybe longer. They're like, Hey, Jason, I got a deal Then I'm like, I don't know this company. Who's this? this?" They delete. So yeah, what you said is what I preach and teach. And I couldn't agree more. It doesn't seem like it would be true, but in my experience, it is. And and you never know when
1: somebody's going to reach out. I know I have somebody that I used to work with that's going to be investing in my current opportunity, and they like reached out and said, "Hey, I I've been seeing what you're doing, all and again like, you know, how your business has grown," and they hadn't commented and probably not just seen any comments from them or any likes or anything, but they'd been just sort of watching the journey and you know, when the deal was good and the opportunity and the time was right for them and they reached out and said, Hey, you know, I want to talk and I
0: want to invest with you. Yep, That it's so true. Like, and that kind of goes into the consistency is important because you never know who's watching and there's always twice as many people watching as you think a lot of people will just sit back and watch. and They'll never raise their hand. They'll never comment. And then one day you get that touch or like, I'm ready. And you're like, what What do you, what do you mean? You've been Man. okay? Hey, wow. You've been around for a while. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. It, it's like working out. Like I'm going to the gym today. Today's week two back after about a six month break. I know if the next two, three weeks are going to hurt. Right. I like lifting heavy and I, I do it safely, but I lift heavy and uh, it's going to, it's going to hurt. I'm going to be sore for a while. But on the other side of that, Week 8, 10, 12, there's going to be great results. Every workout may not be perfect, but the consistency is going to give me to where I want to go. Same thing with business, right? So, yes, yeah, yeah.
1: And that's, and I think that, uh, you know, saying not being perfect is a good point. It's like, you know, don't let perfect be the enemy of good enough to get something out there to start the practice yep. and the flow. Yep. I, th- I think a lot of people getting in this business, you know, again, with maybe just in terms of their, Corporate background or overseas yep. might just feel like, oh, I just can't do it until it's just buttoned down. Now, you know, you want to have something quality and not have spelling mistakes and just have it, you know, not look like a mess. But on the other hand, a lot of it's just getting things out there that people will
0: find relevant to, yeah, to let people know what you're doing. Absolutely. Good stuff. So we are in February of 2023 at the time of this recording. What are you focused on for the rest of this year in terms of business? What are you looking forward to?
1: Yeah, I, I'm looking really for you know good partnerships and good opportunities. Uh, right now I'm talking to four or five different people about potential opportunities out there. One of the big issues that people have right now or concerns they have is about what's happening with interest rates. And it is having an impact on the ability to be able to buy apartment buildings, for example. And the deals that I'm finding that seem to be the most interesting now are ones where people uh, are able to buy uh, an asset with assumable debt. So they're able to still get in with 3 or 4% debt if they can take an assumption versus trying to buy something new at 5 or 6%. So, you know, finding opportunities like that, I think are important. And I think that's probably one of the biggest concerns I've seen from my investors is to say, what's happening with interest rates? You know, should we wait? Should we maybe wait until later in the year to invest in something if prices just go down? So I think the opportunities will be most compelling is one where the the financing structure still makes sense and you still feel like you're not uh, overpaying compared to what the peak of the market was um, yeah. so i think you know right now i'm talking to several different people to partner with as or sort of the uh, either as a large limited partner or possibly as a co-general partner to get in some deals this year so um yeah so my goal this year is to bring three or four opportunities to my investors and uh yeah grow my business potentially in this new asset classes.
0: Nice. Very nice. So if anybody listening or watching would like to get more info from you or learn more about what you're doing, how can they do so?
1: Yeah, they can always reach out. My company name is Blue Elm Investments. So that's the color blue, elm, like the elm tree investments. So blueelminvestments.com. They can reach me at Todd, T-O-D-D, at blueelminvestments.com. If you go to my website, you can download a free ebook that I was involved in called Success Habits of Super Achievers. It was a collaborative book with Eighty authors and I got together with, and we created this book for habits and uh, tips and tricks to accelerate your success. So they can go to my website and download that. And uh, yeah, if anybody wants to discuss real estate investing passively or actively, I'm always happy to chat.
0: Awesome. Sounds great. Well, Todd, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. Thanks for coming on today.
1: Yeah. Thanks a lot, Jason. Appreciate
0: it. Thank you for listening to this episode of the show. I had a great time making it, and I hope you really enjoyed yourself listening to it. If you want to keep up with all things Real Estate Investor Marketing Stories podcast-related, I encourage you strongly to go to REIMarketingStories.com and signing up for our podcast newsletter. We will simply keep you up to date with what's going on at the show, new episodes, and things like that. REIMarketingStories.com. So hopefully today's episode and the other episodes that you'll listen to will remind you that as a real estate investor, everybody starts at the beginning, okay? Um, our guests today and the other guests that you will hear on this show will share their real story, right? They'll tell you what worked, what didn't work. And I want you to remember one thing if you remember nothing else today. It's possible for you to okay? Never stop going and keep following your passion. Finally, today's show has been brought to you by CapitalRaisingAutomations.com. If you're an active capital raiser and you're ready to learn the three areas that are holding you back from raising more capital, I strongly suggest you check out CapitalRaisingAutomations.com. Check out our free 10-minute video there, and you let me know if it doesn't provide you value. I'm sure it will. All right. Thanks again for listening to the show this week. Hope to see you next time. Take care.